Michael Paré, and this is the Reliving My Youth Show. And welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fulton, and I'm really excited for today's show. Well, I'm excited for every show we do, but a few months ago, when I decided to put this podcast together, I was coming up with a list of people who I'd want to interview for the show, and this guy was always near the top of the list in Michael Paré. Michael, you've seen his work in two of the biggest cult movies in the 1980s, Eddie the Cruisers and Streets of Fire both fantastic movies. You've seen him in The Virgin Suicides, The Lincoln Lawyer, The Philadelphia Experiment. I first saw him in Greatest American Hero, another cult classic. He is constantly working. He was in a Western movie called Traded that's now available on demand. And he was pretty critical and very candid about some of his roles that didn't work, namely Eddie and the Cruisers 2. And there was sort of an unofficial sequel to Streets of Fire called Road to Hell, and he's really critical about that role, uh, the role, the project in general. Here's Michael. And helping me relive my youth today is Michael Paré. Michael, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great out here in California, you know, living the life. Yeah, it's, I'm sure uh, the weather's pretty nice out there, isn't it? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, yeah. We're, we're a little humid here in Connecticut right now, so uh, I'm sure you know how that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a nice part of Connecticut here. We, we used to talk to Bridgeport and, you know, spend a couple of days in New Haven. They both looked in London. Beautiful part of America. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so, get started about your career. Um, I was a big fan of your very first uh, Greatest American Hero. Uh, really loved you know the show, and uh, how'd you get that job? Well, I was uh, you know I'm from New York. I was studying and living in uh, New York, and there was a woman named Joyce Selznick who was running uh, the talent development program for the network ABC, and I uh, went in on a cattle call. I auditioned and uh, I got it. They gave me, uh, you know, like a holding fee and a script of Greatest American Hero and a round trip ticket. I came out to L.A., got an apartment, and uh, we shot the pilot. Yeah, and um, the show lasted for a few years. Uh, you and uh, Faye, Faye Grant were, you know, the students in Mr. Hinckley's class. Uh, you yeah, know, Faye Fa- Grant was great, yeah. Yeah, you know, she, she went on to, to do V, and... Um, one thing about uh, Grace American Hero, which always, you know, kind of, especially now in the age of, you know, every, everything gets remade and rebooted, that they really haven't, you know, touched that show at all. Yeah, I don't know why. I know why Stephen, well, Stephen Cattle died. You know, we talk of doing it every few years. There's somebody who says they want to make it. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a period. You know, now with all Marvel and DC... It's hard to do, I guess. Yeah, true, true. Uh, then, you know, moving on, um, Eddie and the Cruises is like one of my you know all-time favorite movies. 
it really, you know, obviously you know well that it didn't do too well in the theaters. I didn't see it in the theaters. I was only eight years old when it came out. But thanks to HBO, it was, between that and I think The Beastmaster, both those movies were on like all day long. So I, I, you know, so I watched it and really, you know, got, um, you know, acquainted with it. Uh, you have a pretty interesting story how you got that role. didn't have any musical background at that point, did you? No, it's like anybody else. I listen to music on the radio. <laughs> uh, Rick Springfield, I heard that he wanted the role originally, or they or they wanted him to, to uh, play Eddie? There were a lot of people. There was a lot of people who wanted it. Um, you know, they auditioned a lot of people, but Marty, uh, Marty somehow thought I was the right guy. Um, Like I remember like, watching that movie over and over again, and 
your your lip singing was so good. I mean, you probably could have taught Millie Vanilli a thing or two. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, man. Uh, what was I going to tell you about that? The, um, the lip syncing, you know, I found out that even, like, guys who really do sing, they have to lip sync also. Because it's the nature of making the movie, because they they shoot, they pick up, they cut, they, they you know, they jump to different parts of the song. So, um, the lip syncing wasn't the challenge. I think it was, uh, Hey, who fucking knows, man? You know, it was one of those magical things that my speaking voice matched John Carpenter's singing voice. And uh, I, I know what I wanted to say. I ran into one of the uh, producers from Eddie and the Cruisers, and he told me that that record has made $39 million so far. Wow. And and that, and that and the, the soundtrack really helped the movie get a second life. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, another one of my favorite movies is uh, Streets of Fire. Uh, thought that was great. I mean, uh, the, the cast in that movie was unbelievable. I mean, you know, Diane Lane. That was probably one of her first roles, right? No, she was on Broadway. She was a Broadway baby. She did a play called uh, Runaways by Elizabeth Suedos, wrote and directed that. And she was in a movie with uh, Lawrence Olivier. Oh, wow. Okay. Little romance, little romance when she was like, you know, 13 or 14. Wow. Yeah, I think she also did a movie called The Back of the Spain, and I think that was before she was fired. I'm oh. not sure. No, she was, I think she, she got, you know, the, the final report card for her. You know, she graduated from high school and they sent her report card to the Lincoln Trail. Oh, that's funny. That's funny <laughs> yeah, she was really young and beautiful, and and you know, you don't get on Broadway by luck. You know, she had a lot. Of, I think her father was uh, a thespian, and uh, I ran into him once in New York, and he was just coming out of a Shakespeare class. So she had a, she had a big advantage. She had a, a big start. You know, she had a, a family in uh, you know in the theater. Right. Then uh, I think that, but. I think William Defoe, right? That was one of his first roles, correct? Yeah, I think it was. Right. It was. He was with a, a theater group called the Wooster Group, which was kind of like experimental theater and multimedia down in uh, Soho. And, uh, you know, so he was one of those guys. He was probably the oldest guy in the cast. Okay. And how long did it take? Because that, that act scene was, was, pretty, was pretty solid. How long did it take to shoot that one? photography was two weeks that was with me and Willem and then they had the stunt guys you know do a bunch of pickup stuff which was another two weeks but that was like second unit right right and then Rick... so it was uh, every day we'd come in and we'd you know make a pair of wardrobe pops and stretch out and then uh, start you know doing the fight scene did you uh, take any of those suspenders home with you <laughs> yeah I had a whole a whole wardrobe costume but you know I was married, and you know, I got divorced, and I got married and divorced again. And you lose all your all your memorabilia when you do that. Right. 
Yeah, and Rick Rick Moranis, he was a real prick in the movie, but he was so good at. I'm I'm the chemistry between you two was really good in that. Yes, you know, Rick was a you know he was a comedian, you know, he right? Great White North stuff, right? And uh, you know, you can abuse people physically and psychologically, and somehow psychological abuse is more acceptable than physical abuse. You know, because it doesn't leave any visible marks. But Rick used to annoy the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, and uh, it was it was a, a, a problem for me because Cody would have smacked the shit out of him a few times. Right, totally. Just just to just to make him shut his mouth. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and I probably shouldn't have brought him along. You know, there was, there, there's no way I could work out in my mind why I would let him come along. I would, should have just taken his money and said, I'll bring her back. Right. But, you know, I wasn't the writer. Yeah. And uh, he did add a lot of stress and anxiety, but, you know, we weren't good friends. Amy Madigan was probably my best friend on that show. Yeah, she, 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 was, she was great in that movie as well. I mean, everyone's roles, I mean, just nailed it. I mean, you know, the, the late, great Bill Paxton was, was great in that, too. And, yeah, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I just... Well, I was always pissed off that Walter continued to make movies and he never brought me on anything. Wow, and how was your relationship with him during the shooting? He was distant, you know, he was not... You know, Walter... You know, directors come from all kinds of, you know, places and Walter was mostly a writer. And writers don't necessarily, you know, communicate well with actors. And, um... You know, so... So this wild young guy from New York who was only like two years out of the kitchen, you know, literally. Um, you know, a lot of it was bravado and uh, fear and, uh, you know, on Eddie and the Cruisers, it was very artsy endeavor. We had two weeks of just rehearsal on location, right? So we got to do all this actor shit that, uh, you know, so I knew what my job was and I knew what the pressure was and I knew what the big moments were. But with Streets of Fire, um, we didn't have any of that. As a matter of fact, I came back from, I did, I shot this period piece in Australia. I met um, Daryl Hannah, you know, at uh, Universal, Warner Brothers, I forget what it was, you know, for, for the cast. And there's Rick Moranis, Daryl Hannah, myself. And, uh, you know, Rick was already an antagonist. Hmm. And uh, I thought Daryl Hannah was going to be playing the role. And then the next time I met, it was uh, like a wardrobe thing. And they said, no, Diane Lane got the role. And I said, oh, oh great. You know, a little romance. And I, you know. and then next thing I know, we're shooting. We're on our way to Chicago. You know, so there was no rehearsal period. There was no long discussion about what the character was. Like I said, Walter was uh, a writer-director as opposed to uh, an editor-director or an actor-director, you know, or, uh, you know, so he... We didn't talk much. We never ate lunch. We never had dinner. We never had any of those, you know, social things. Did he have that with any other cast members as well, or just he was distant all around? I know. I know they were whining and dining Diane a lot. Right. You know, because she was the young beauty, and you know, had to take care of her. I think she, you know, if you're under eighteen, you get special treatment. <laughs> now, why do you think uh, the movie didn't do so well in the box office? Opposite Indiana Jones. Oh, there you go. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And when uh, 
they kind of, you know, they did them in a moment, don't they? Hmm, that's, that's too bad. Because originally it was supposed to be a trilogy, right? Yeah, and you know, over the years I've met four or five people who came out of film school and said that they spent like a week studying that movie. So, you know, was it a good movie? Yeah, it was a good movie, but there's a lot of good movies that for some reason they miss their window, you know? Yeah, and it's it's a shame because like now a movie doesn't do well the first week, it's 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 out of the theaters. It's considered a bust, and you know it, it can have a second life, you know, on on demand or cable. And just like that's how I felt like both of those movies did for you. Yeah, yeah. Hey man, you know, people stop me on the street. They know me from Streets of Fire, Eddie and the Cruisers, Philadelphia Experiment. You know, a bunch of others, but those are the three, the three that. Uh, you know, when they want an autograph, it's usually a picture from one of those three. Right. Now, do they ever ask you to sing? What? Do they ever ask you to sing? Every, just like you do. Everybody does, and they want to see if I'm going to lie. Even though <laughs> they, they just want to see if I'm going to lie. And I've never done. I've never claimed I've ever singing. Right, absolutely, yeah. And I, I just found out literally uh, last week, and I'm so excited to watch this, that there was kind of an unofficial um, sequel to Streets of Fire, Road to Hell. Yeah, that was a scam, that fucking guy. <laughs> no, he, he said he had, you know, Walter Hill's blessing. Uh, he had Jim Steinman's blessing. Um, you know, that it was all taken care of, and it was a short we made. Right. Right? And it was, you know, the original screenplay of Streets of Fire was much more violent. It was much more a Walter Hill movie. You know, there was a, a stab uh, Willem Dafoe at the end of the fight. Because he's, he's about to fucking kill me, and I pull my knife out, and I stab him, and kill him. You know, but when they decided to make it, they said, oh, we have to, you know, sweeten this up, and, you know, for a broader audience, we don't want to be rated R. Um, so this is what the director is telling me, this guy, Albert Pine, or whatever the fuck his name was. He really disappointed me, because, you know, he said it was going to be like that... Uh, that Mickey Rourke movie that's kind of like a comic book Mickey Rourke oh uh, Sin City Sin City yeah he said it's going to be like Sin City and he sold it really good because I met him at a film festival and uh, it sounded fantastic and we, we went and shot for like a week in this green screen studio and you know when you're depending that much on technology you're not quite sure you know if it's all going to work out but you got to go with it and then uh, he made it and, um, you know, he, nobody wanted to see it. He couldn't, for whatever reason. And so he, all of a sudden he says, oh, but we're going to add a band. And uh, he's going to go to the city and he's going to find his daughter. And I'm like, why do you want to do that? He says, well, we can't sell it. I said, okay. So he brings on this girl who has a family band. And he doesn't pay her. He cheats her and lies to her and says that she'll be on the European tour for the, you know, the global distribution of the movie. And that didn't work. And then he brought on another girl. Did the same thing. You know, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, the guy's uh, a madman. Right. <laughs> you know, he, 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 he's, uh, I don't know what else to say about him. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, never, he never paid me. Really? Yeah, he never fucking paid me. You know, and you know what he did? He, he pre-sold it just on the title. And then he never delivered any of the movies. Uh, 
that's that's right. Tough. I had a, a young manager who said, "Whatever happened to that?" And I said, "I'll fucking know." It's just because I, I I bought a movie and I never got it. Well, I, I think you got you had to pick up that axe and go after him. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, he decided no, he was going to self distribute. You know, so he set up some kind of bullshit streaming device in his home, and uh, you know he. You know, when I was trying to chase him down, he, oh, he's got cancer, oh, but then he gets better. Oh, he's got multiple sclerosis, but he gets better. Oh, his wife has cancer, and then she gets, everybody's fucking, you know, when people start talking about terminal diseases, and that's why they're not answering the phone, you know, bullshit. Oh, man, that's, that's too bad. But, um, is there any life for uh, Eddie Wilson? There's a rumor going around. There's uh, some guys who uh, think that they can make it and do it right. And uh, you know, I, I don't want to. You know, this. You know, you know, you're, you're from the East Coast. You know what the Nikas is, right? No. I don't want to talk about it. You talk about something, sometimes it doesn't happen. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I totally get that. Well, I'll, I'll wish you yeah. well on that one. It's a Yiddish thing, the Nikas. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, the 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 second one, uh, Eddie Lives. I yeah, you know, I I enjoyed it, and that kind of uh, kind of went quickly too. What was what do you think was the major disappointments in that one? The story was no good. Right. Did, did, the story was no good, and again, this is the difference. In the first one, they hired a bunch of actors to play musicians. In the second one, they hired a bunch of Canadian musicians and thought that they could teach them to act. But the director wasn't really an actress director. He was like a, like a French-Canadian Johnny Carson, actually. That was who the director was. <laughs> and uh, the cinematographer was this very incredibly arrogant French-Canadian guy who we had, the first day I met him, we banged heads because he said there was no smoking on his set. Right. And I said, this is a movie about rock and roll. The whole thing is supposed to take place at night. He said, there's no smoking on my set. And uh, so I went to Tony Scotty and said, Tony, I can't fucking do this. And he also smokes. I smoked almost every shot in the first one. And and so the guy gave in, but he did not embrace me. And the director, the first day of the, So apparently he didn't see the first movie. Recently, just saw uh, traded. Uh, really, thought it was a, you know it was a very solid western, which you know they don't really make too much anymore. How was that experience for you? Um, 
made a few movies with Tim Woodward, and he's a really young guy. I mean, he's like, you know, he's like 34 years old for a director. And, uh, you know, when he told me that he wanted me to play the role, but the, the money people said he had to submit it to a certain number of uh, bigger names, right? And uh, they all passed. And then when I got it, I was really excited and I fully committed and, you know, I uh, went up for, uh, you know, you got to warm up. I don't, I don't like, I don't ride horses. So you have to take, you know, the, the warm up classes. You can ride into frame or ride out of frame and get used to the horses and stuff. So I really committed and I'm pretty good with the guns and, uh, you know, Westerns can be great for a lot of reasons. And, uh, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. The cinematography was great. Um, you know, the bad guys were great. You know, Tom Sizemore, is, is, he's, a, he's just a great bad guy. Tom just really does it well. Yeah, how, how is he, you know, working with? Like I, I worked with him a few times, and, and he plays bad guys really well. He plays that maniacal, you know, sinister, diabolical human being. Right. And, um, you know, we shot in all the the famous Western towns, you know, that all of the Westerns were made in all the television Westerns from the 70s and 60s and, you know, out at, uh, you know, it was was just great playing Cowboys. Yeah, and Chris Chris Christopherson was was really good in that role as well. Yeah, Chris, you know, I got to tell you, man, he's one of the legends. He's he's an American legend. He's almost as right up, he's right up there with Johnny Cash, you know. Yeah, he, he uh, he's, he's he's good. Well, he was a real nice guy. He was really a pleasure to be around. He loved, you know, you know when Tim said we'd like you to, you know, ride in and and, and shoot a bad guy, he jumped right on the horse. Right. Yeah, that was a great right. scene, with with you know the guy in the roof and you're behind the you know the, the hay. He comes rolling in. That was that was a really solid scene. I enjoyed that. I mean, he, he's up there in age. You think he's going to continue acting? Absolutely. He just did a movie, a great part in the movie Hickok that Jim did this year. Okay. Now, uh, it's on video on demand. And, you know, Bush plays another uh, cowboy. Right. <laughs> and uh, Jim said he was uh, better this time than last time. I mean, he had more days and he had more fun. That's great. And, like, what's your opinion on video on demand? I mean, I think it's, like, great in that it gets you know, the movie writes to you that, you know, normally wouldn't be in, like, you know, all the, you know, major theaters around the world or the country. You know, it's like the be, the be real, you know, um, in the, 
like the late 80s and early 90s, you know, you can make a movie uh, that was going to turn a profit. It would come out on uh, VHS or right. all that. Um, you know, there was a, you, you had, what, what was that, VHS? Yeah, VHS. Yeah. So if he didn't make the theaters, you could still sell around the world on VHS and, you know, make a nice profit. And then they came up with DVDs and it continued. It was when they started streaming and streaming became so popular that uh, VHS and DVD just they're disappearing. I mean, you know, you got Redbox, you got Walmart, you know, nobody buys DVDs, they download. Yeah, and well, they, they take up a lot of room in the house too. It's like the, uh, you know, it's, there's probably thousands and thousands of movies that are made a year. And uh, maybe three or four hundred that the studios make in total. So, you know, it employs a lot of actors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what uh, what's on the docket for you now? Uh, I'm going to shoot a movie with Scott Atkins this week. And uh, another one with uh, Sally Kirkland plays my wife. Okay. My, uh, my mom, my mom, yeah. She played my wife before, like 20 years ago with Rod Steiger. Right. <laughs> um, and, I, and I got a great part in this uh, uh, Johnny Depp movie that will probably, I'm betting, is going to come out around Thanksgiving about Tupac and Biggie Small. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so I, I play the, uh, the Vegas detective who's uh, you know, in charge of the, the Tupac murder. Johnny Depp is a the L.A. detective who was on the Biggie murder. Forrest Whitaker plays an award-winning journalist. And, uh, you know, it's Brad Furman directs it. Directed it. And he, they're, uh, they're testing it right now, and we still haven't done the ADR. But if, if that's where we are now, I don't know. I bet it could be October. It was probably going to be November. Right, okay. Definitely look forward to seeing that. Uh, Michael, thank you for a few minutes today. I really appreciate it. And uh, keep up the good work.